0: What will matter about you forever is not how many people know your name, not how many people will follow you on social media, not a list of great things that you may have accomplished. It is the relationship that you have with Jesus Christ.
1: Welcome to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith. I'm David Pick, and Colin, there may be someone listening today who thinks, well, if a relationship with God is so important... I really want to know what that's about, and I don't, or at least I'm not sure that I do. Or maybe someone who thinks, I know I don't have that. What would you say to them? Well, i say first, I'm so glad you are listening
0: today because there is something very, very, very wonderful indeed that you can discover. You know, there is a saviour who is the best friend you can ever know, and he's able to bring light and love, and peace, and joy into your life. He already knows you, and he wants you to come to know him. And Jesus Christ came into the world so that we could know God. And so that we could walk with him, so that we could have a relationship with him. We're going to look in the scriptures today at what that looked like for one person a long time ago. But the really good news is that this relationship of walking with God through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is possible for you
1: today. We're going to be looking at the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. If you can, join us in your Bible. We're focusing on verses 5 and 6 as we begin a message, Faith Walks With God. Here's Colin.
0: Please open your Bible at Hebrews and chapter 11 as we continue our series entitled Living by Faith. Hebrews 11, as we've seen and as we've just heard, begins by telling us what faith is. It is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And the hoped for things that we are sure of are the things that God has promised. The unseen things that we are convinced of are the things that God has revealed. So we have seen that faith believes what God has revealed and trusts what God has promised. Now, what does it mean for us then to live by faith? Well, in this chapter, God teaches us by pointing us to real-life examples of faith in action. And each of them in this chapter really highlights a different aspect of faith. Last week, we looked at the story of Abel that highlights the great truth that faith listens to God. He was commended as righteous because of the sacrifice that God accepted. He offered a firstborn lamb from the flock. A life was laid down in his place. And Abel's sacrifice, of course, points us forward to Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Offering a lamb was a sign that Abel trusted the promise of God. And that promise, of course, was fulfilled when Jesus laid down his life for us on the cross. God gave his one and only son as the sacrifice for our sins. And we saw that Abel knew that a life needed to be laid down because God had revealed that way back in the garden when he made garments of skins to clothe Adam and Eve. God revealed the acceptable sacrifice and faith listens to what God has revealed. Now, Hebrews 11 really paints a picture of what this life of faith looks like. And each of the characters, as it were, adds more color, fills out the picture of a life of faith. And today we come to the story of Enoch, where we learn that faith walks with God. Hebrews 11:5 By faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death and he was not found because God had taken him. Now the story of Enoch is found all the way back in Genesis and chapter 5 and you might like to turn back to that first book of the Bible with me now. God records there, you will see the generations, 10 generations from Adam to Noah. 10 are recorded and uh, we will look, God willing, at the story of Noah next week. Here we read about Adam and Seth and Enosh and Kenan and Mahalalel and Jared and Enoch and Methuselah and Lamech and Noah. Two questions. First, why are these names recorded? Well, if you were to look at the end of Luke chapter 3, you will see that precisely the same list of names is recorded and that these are the line of descent into which the Lord Jesus Christ was born. In other words, and this is very important, what matters about each of these men Is their relationship with Jesus. I mean what do we know about Jared? What do we know about Enosh? I mean these were unremarkable lives. No great triumphs. No great disasters. Just ordinary folks. Of whom the thing that is of eternal significance. Is their relationship to Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that ultimately mattered about them. It's the thing that will ultimately matter about each and every one of us. What will matter about you forever is not how many people know your name. Not how many people will follow you on social media. Not a list of great things that you may have accomplished. It is the relationship that you have with Jesus Christ. Second question, why did they live so long? It's a very obvious question when you read from Genesis in chapter 5. Look there, the lifespans of these generations are roughly 10 times as long as a typical lifespan today. Look, Adam lived, verse 5, 930 years. Seth lived 912 years, verse 8. Enosh, verse 11, lived 905 years. 10 times as long as we might expect a lifespan to be today. And it does seem that this was God's provision for multiplying the human population in these earliest generations. After the time of Noah and the flood, what you find is that human lifespans come down very fast. It's very different. And they come down rapidly to what we are used to today. Now, these first generations then lived for very long, 10 times the lifespan that we have today before the flood. But they have one thing in common, and it's very obvious. It runs right throughout Genesis in chapter 5. Look at verse 5. All the days that Adam lived were 930 years, comma, and he died. Verse 8. All the days of Seth were 912 years, comma, and he died. Verse 11. All the days of Enosh were 905 years, and he died. You read this chapter, and the phrase, and he died, is like a grim drumbeat that relentlessly continues throughout the entire chapter. It's rather like when you're on a train, and it gets up to speed. And you have that repeating sound of the wheels clicking on the rails. you know. And then he died. 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 Then he died. It's, it's right across the human race. With one exception in this chapter. You come to verse 24. And in the middle of this relentless reign of death. We read these words. Enoch walked with God. And he was not. For God took him. Now, by any standards, this is a wonderful and a remarkable story. Suddenly, there is a break in the dark clouds, light shines into the darkness, and we have reason to hope that the reign of death may not be forever. The story, of course, points us to the marvellous hope that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ who broke through the power of death and ascended into heaven. Now, this is the story that's before us today. I want to make a number of observations from it. The first and the most important is that Enoch walked with God. Do you see that that is stated twice in these short verses? First verse 22, Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah. And then verse 24, Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Here's the great thing for which this man was remembered. He walked with God. Now, what does it mean to walk with God? Well, to walk with God is very simply to live in a constant, conscious enjoyment of the presence of God. Let me suggest just five things that it involves. First, it involves peace. God walked with Adam and Eve in the garden, you remember. But when they sinned, they hid from him. Now, you can't walk with someone when you're hiding from them. To walk with God means that you are at peace with him. It means that any known sin in your life has been confessed, and it has been forgiven. And you are at peace in the presence of God, Because you have nothing to hide from him. Second, to walk with God involves purpose. Walking always involves movement in a particular direction. If two people come to a crossroads, one wants to go one way, the other goes the other way, well then by definition they cannot walk together. Amos says, can two walk together? Uh, How can two walk together unless they are agreed? So to walk with God then is to go in the direction that he is going. So, for example, God is the great peacemaker, and when we seek to make peace, we are walking with him. God is merciful and God is just. So when we do justly and when we love mercy, that's when we are walking humbly with our God. Then walking very obviously involves progress. Walking isn't sitting, and walking isn't sprinting. What is walking? It is a slow, steady movement forward. And to walk with God, therefore, does not mean that you are perfect. Doesn't mean that Enoch was. But if you're walking, you are making progress. That's why Paul says, I press on. I'm straining towards the mark. I'm not there yet. But I am seeking to move in the direction that God is calling me. Walking isn't always easy. If the wind's against you, you may need to lean into the wind. You may feel that you're making progress very slowly indeed. But at least when you're walking, you're moving forward. Fourth, it involves the greatest privilege. Think about this. Walking with God. God. Now, what could be a greater privilege than that? What could compare with the creator of heaven and earth, the sovereign Lord of the universe, who is your heavenly Father, so intensely interested in your life, so intimately involved in all that concerns you, that he would choose to walk with you? And then think of the pleasure involved. If you want to get to some place fast, go in a car. But if you want to enjoy a place, get out of the car and go for a walk. Because when you get out of the car and go for a walk, you will see things that you would not see as you're just driving by. You will you will smell things. You will hear things. You will touch things. Walking with God is the greatest pleasure. David says this to the Lord. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Now that means more than that heaven is a place of great happiness. What he says is pleasures are found at your right hand. And those who walk with God taste these pleasures on earth before they ever arrive in heaven. So there is this conscious constant enjoyment of the presence of God. That's what walking with God is. It is a taste on earth of the joys of heaven. It involves peace and progress and purpose and privilege and pleasure. Enoch walked with God,
1: You're listening to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith, and today we're looking at Enoch in a message called Faith Walks with God. We'll get back to the message shortly, but if you ever miss any of the messages, or if you want to go back and listen again, you can always do that by going to our website, that's openthebible.org.uk. There you can download any of the messages or stream them online. Now back to the message, here's Colin.
0: Enoch walked... With God. Second observation, Enoch walked with God in the light of the coming judgment. Enoch walked with God in the light of the coming judgment. Now the early chapters of Genesis really chart the growth of sin in the world and its devastating effects. Remember Adam and Eve had disobeyed a single command of God. You might think, well, is that really such a big deal? Well, you read the chapters of Genesis, the early chapters, and you see what a big deal it really was. Because just one generation, they give birth to this little lad, Cain, and the world's first baby becomes the world's first murderer. Now, ten generations are recorded here from Adam to Noah. And by the time of Noah, we read in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5, that the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart were only evil continually. Now, Enoch was the seventh of the ten generations from Adam to Noah. You can be pretty sure That if wickedness has absolutely filled the earth by the 10th generation, it was pretty rampant already by the 7th. And that is confirmed by a prophecy. A word spoken directly from God through Enoch that is recorded in the little letter of Jude at the end of the New Testament. Enoch was given a prophetic glimpse Of the day of the glorious return of our Lord Jesus Christ. When he will bring judgment. He will establish truth. Right every wrong. And bring the whole world to justice. And we read in Jude. That Enoch. The seventh from Adam prophesied. And here's what he prophesied in his day. Saying behold the Lord comes. With tens of thousands of his holy ones. To execute judgment. On all and to convict all the ungodly of all their deeds of ungodliness. That they have committed in such an ungodly way. And of all the harsh things that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Now notice that the word ungodly or ungodliness occurs four times. Because that was the environment in which Enoch lived. Enoch was surrounded By people who had no place for God, people who spoke against God, people who were defiant towards God. And that sounds familiar, doesn't it? And here's the encouragement for us that in such a world, Enoch walked with God. That's what he did. And that is what we are called to do today. Now Enoch did live with a profound awareness that judgment was coming and we know that not only because of the prophecy that is recorded in Jude but there may also be a hint of it in the name that Enoch gave to his son. A.W. Pink says that the name Methuselah which Enoch gave to his son can mean When he is dead, it shall be sent. There's a strange name to give to your son. When he is dead, it shall be sent. And Pink suggests that perhaps Enoch gave this unusual name to his son because God had revealed to him that when Methuselah died, the flood would come. And that, of course, is exactly what happened. The flood came in the 600 year of Noah's life. And if you compare that with the long years of Methuselah's life, you will see when you put the numbers in Genesis chapter 5 together and add them all up, you will see that God sent the flood in exactly the year that Methuselah died. When he is dead, it shall be sent. Enoch, the world as you know it is going to be washed away. And I'm going to let you in on a secret as to when it will happen. When your son dies, the judgment will come. Now Pink asked this question. If that revelation had been given to you. What effect would it have on you? Every time the boy takes sick. You're going to say. This could be the end of the world. When he is dead it shall be sent. You would live in the constant awareness. That it could come at any time. Enoch knew that the judgment of God was coming soon. He knew that he had to be ready to meet with God at any moment. And in the light of that, Enoch walked with God. Now, do you see how that speaks to us today? Are we not in precisely the same position? It is appointed to man once to die, and after that is the judgment. And not one of us knows where that is today, tomorrow, 10 years, whatever. Therefore, at all times, we must cling to Jesus Christ as our Savior. We must walk with God by faith so that we are always ready to meet him by sight. Enoch walked with God in the light of the coming judgment
1: pastor colin smith and a message called faith walks with god looking at what it meant for enoch to walk with god and we'll continue with the message next time on open the bible there are really a number of ways you can engage with open the bible you can listen to us on this station you can go to our website which is open the there you can download any of the previous messages or stream them directly from the website Also on the Open the Bible website, you'll find Open the Bible Daily. These are a series of short two- to three-minute reflections written by Pastor Colin and read by Sue McLeish. There's a new one on the website every day. I caught up with Sue in the studio and asked her what the devotionals mean to her. Those devotionals begin each day for me, and honestly, I wouldn't be without them. Their content never fails to open up a valuable word from the Bible— which very often will meet a need either in my own circumstance or in that of someone I'm praying for. (laughs) Though the devotionals are short, there's always a message to hold on to and to take with you into the day. You can find Open the Bible on all the major social media sites, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram and YouTube. If you use any of these sites, we'd love it if you would follow us. We're easy to find. Our username is the same on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. It's at UKOpenTheBible. On YouTube, it's at OpenTheBibleUK. You can also find us using the search on any of the sites, UKOpenTheBible. Or you can always simply go to the Open the Bible website, that's OpenTheBible.org.uk, go to the bottom of the homepage and click on your preferred social media symbol. Once you've found us on social media, please follow us or subscribe to our channel. And when you see one of our postings, please like it. Or better still, retweet or resend it with your thoughts and comments. That way we get seen by all your followers and they have the opportunity to follow us too. Let's grow the Open the Bible community. You'll also find Open the Bible on your favourite podcast site. Simply search for UK Open the Bible. You can hear Colin's daily devotions read by Sue McLeish and soon you'll also be able to hear these broadcasts. Open the Bible is supported by our listeners. If you don't already support the work of Open the Bible but you feel you'd like to... This month we're offering a free gift with any new donation of £5 per month or more. If you're able to do that, we'd love to send you a CD set of this month's broadcasts, which are Listener Favourites 2023. Go to the website openthebible.org.uk for details. For Pastor Colin Smith and for Open the Bible, I'm David Pick and I very much hope you'll join us again next time. How do you walk with God in a world where people have no place for God, people speak against God, and people are defiant towards God? Find out next time on Open the Bible.